0: us pray. Father God we thank you for this opportunity to come to your word and we do recognize today it is your word and only your word and Father I pray that the power of spirit the Holy Spirit would come here today and speak to us Lord. Would you speak to us clearly from your word today and Lord also speak into our hearts and help us to respond to that word. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to respond to these words and able to understand these words. So, in Jesus' name, I just pray, Lord God, you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, an empty vessel in your hands. We pray, Lord, you'd cleanse us from all unrighteousness, help us to be clean as we come before you, and to be able to hear you clearly, see you clearly, and listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at the first section of the letter to Philemon in verses 1 to 7, with a message called Together in Christ. It was a really encouraging message for me as I looked at it and I hope it was for you as well because we saw a a wonderful example of Christian fellowship in the life of Philemon and Paul along with the other uh, believers mentioned there in the passage. Paul commended Philemon for his faith in Jesus and his love towards all the believers. Philemon lived in Colossae there, located in what's now southwest Turkey, and the church there met in his home. He was probably quite a wealthy person as well to be able to have the sort of home that would do that, and he also had a slave as well, which would cost money. His slave was named Onesimus, it was a common name at the time, and it meant useful. That'd be a good name to have, wouldn't it? It'd be called, I don't know what Graham's meaning is, but I don't think it's useful. Uh, you can ask Nicola later. But, What was that? Old Grey House. Old Grey House, that sounds really boring. I'm wearing a grey jumper as well, come on. Um, So the meaning of Anisimus is useful, and you'll see this. It's quite funny, there's almost puns coming out of this passage on the basis of Onesimus' name being useful. Bear that in mind. Because Anissimus had not been very useful to Philemon. He ran away, which was a capital offence at the time, a serious offence and apparently he also stole from his master which also was a serious offence somehow this useful Anissimus ended up in Rome here, voila and he came into contact with Paul while Paul was in prison there through this contact with Paul he led Onesimus to know the saviour and he became a Christian, praise the Lord isn't that an amazing story all that way He was into contact with Paul and we're going to see this unfolding. Onesimus comes to know the Saviour. But Paul then realised that Onesimus still had a responsibility to Philemon. And that he should try to restore the relationship. So Paul felt that it was right to return Onesimus to Philemon. Tychicus was given a responsibility of carrying Paul's letter to Rome. His letter of Philemon to the Colossians. And uh, Onesimus travelled back with him. Now today's message, last week was called Together in Christ, and this week it's called Reconciled Through Christ. You may be wondering what that word reconcile means, well if you look it up in the dictionary and you take it in the context of reconciling a relationship, this is what it means. To re-establish a close relationship between, to settle or to resolve. A sense of restoration of a broken relationship. It's important to understand, though, the, the context in which this letter has been written. Slavery was a common social practice at the time. There were about 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Even people who were well educated, such as doctors and teachers, went to the category of being a slave. They were actually possessions of their owners who had, come, who had complete control over their lives and what they did. In centuries to come, Christians would campaign to abolish slavery. But here Paul doesn't comment on whether slavery is just or unjust. He teaches that Christianity changes society by changing attitudes. He doesn't tell um, Christian masters to release their slaves. Instead he teaches a new attitude, the dismantling of all social barriers in Christ. Masters and slaves are now all one in Christ Jesus. So in the letter he wrote to the Colossians, Paul teaches Christian masters to carefree slaves. We looked at that recently, not too far back on a Wednesday night there, you'll have noticed. Because they themselves are slaves of Christ Jesus. If you look at Colossians 3, 22-4-1 in the screen, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven do you see that there how everything has been brought into one in Christ Jesus in the letter to Philemon this slave owner has actually been asked to make a radical difference by forgiving a slave instead of punishing them it would have been the done thing to punish in fact it would have been expected this Forgiveness could be a sign of Christian fellowship and radical love. Let's now turn to the book of Philemon and read verses 8 to 25. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good no longer as a slave but better than a slave as a dear brother he is very dear to me but even dearer to you both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. After Paul's warm introduction to the letter who we looked on last week, warm Christian greetings and Christian fellowship and love. Paul then commended Philemon for his personal faith and love that he displayed to the believers in the church. In verse 7, we looked at last week, he said this, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. He was a refreshing Christian. Someone that encouraged others, somebody that looked out for others, somebody that displayed in practical ways the love of Jesus. And it's with these thoughts in mind that Paul moves into verses 8 to 9. Firstly, we see someone here who is encouraging forgiveness. He says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, even though Paul is an apostle with authority in the church, He didn't order Philemon to respond to this plea. And we can actually see throughout this whole letter that Paul's aim here is not to force Philemon into action, but to encourage him to respond. Here he says, to do what you ought to do. So Paul is clearly stating that there is a right and a wrong response here. And that Philemon needs to make the decision himself. He's not going to force him. He says, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then as Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, Philemon, Philemon stood out as a believer who refreshed the saints, as we've said. And he was an example of faith and love. And Paul now appeals to him on the basis of that love. What a test of Philemon's character. After all the good that was said about him in the opening verses. Paul says, I'm an old man. Did you hear the sigh there? (laughs) It doesn't just refer to his age, being old, but it's also a sign culturally of his wisdom and maturity. Older men were seen as being wise and mature. And particularly in the faith here, there's another connotation. Paul is mature in the faith. An old man. And what a situation Paul found himself in. An old man and a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Like he he said in the opening verses of this book... (laughs) Paul states that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He isn't complaining about the situation, don't get this wrong. He's not going, I'm an old man and I'm just complaining, I'm moaning about the situation. I mean, he's not. It's clear that he knows he's in the hand of God. He's not complaining. He's emphasizing to Philemon that he is suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ, he's there for Jesus' purposes. It is a personal appeal to Philemon and he continues in verses 10 to 11. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. So Paul here, he appeals for his son Onesimus who he says became his son while he was in prison. Paul often referred to new converts in this way. If you look, I'll not name all the scriptures but it's all over the New Testament in Paul's letters. He refers to people who came to Christ through his direct ministry as my son. Even Timothy referred to him in that way. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? This father-son relationship <coughs> in Christ. So it seems very clear that Anisimus became a Christian under Paul's ministry. He continues, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. his name meant useful. But Paul admits that he hadn't been very useful to Philemon in the past praise God for the next statement but now he has become useful to both you and to me this again points to the fact that Onesimus has become a Christian and he is now a new creation 2nd Corinthians 5:17 says if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has gone the new has come Amen? Amen. So we had someone encouraging forgiveness, firstly. Secondly, we've got someone needing forgiveness. So now Anisimus faces his first big challenge as a new believer. He needs forgiveness. His sins have already been forgiven by God. Praise the Lord for that. As we've been singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It's only by grace that we're saved and his sins are been dealt with at this point between him and God. But there are still unresolved issues between him and Philemon. This wasn't an easy situation. It would have been very frightening for Onesimus and he couldn't be sure what the consequences would be if he returned. But like the prodigal son who returned to his father after wasting his inheritance money Onesimus was heading home Is there anyone we need to ask forgiveness from? It's a challenge to us believers to seek to live at peace with one another. Romans 12 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul continues in verse 12, I am sending him who has my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. Do you see the heart of this? It's an appeal from the heart. Some people have accused Paul's letters of being wooden and like he was just intellectual and cold. We can't see that aspect here. We see Paul, this is his son. He's treating him as a son and a brother in the Lord. He loves Inesimus. He even wants him to stay with him but he knows there's something that needs to be done. And it's a heart-wrenching thing to to, to send them back. But he's doing the right thing. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. The ESV version says it a wee bit clearer. It says, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. You see, Paul isn't looking for a favour here. He's looking for Philemon to do good in this situation. And he doesn't want Philemon's response to be forced. And just to apply this, you know, how often do we do good in a difficult situation like this? This was not an easy situation, both socially, culturally and individually. How often do we do good when we're in difficult situations like this? And how often do we do the good thing without being forced to do it by someone else? Are we sometimes not doing good just to please someone else who's watching us? Or is our motivation for doing good to please God? And that is the heart of this. Paul is going to great lengths here to make sure that when uh, Philemon, if and when he responds, he does it for Christ alone. And he's not pulling rank on him to force him to do it. Because if it's not from the heart, then it's not happening at all, is it? If we do not forgive from the heart, we haven't forgiven. Sometimes do we not just go through the motions? The appearance of it? Verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. Paul isn't stating a fact here he's using the word perhaps <laughs> there was a greater reason for this situation you know it's true as it says in Romans 8.28 that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and you can take that out of this passage you can see that how this bad situation for Philemon has actually resulted in a good thing happening in Anisimus' life and that there's hope for good even now as they come to restore the relationship together you can see that and there's nothing wrong with speculating sometimes to God has allowed this to happen for a reason and to trust God's sovereignty and God's plan he knows the plans he has for us to prosper us and not to harm us to give us a hope and a future he doesn't promise we won't go through pain broken relationships hurt betrayal he experienced those things himself even on the cross but he tells us trust me I am sovereign and I am your Lord (coughs) and Saviour. And he works for her good. To those that are called. According to his purpose. Praise God. No longer as a slave he says. But better than a slave. As a dear brother. He is very dear to me. But even dearer to you. Both as a man. And as a brother in the Lord. So Anisimus was to be welcomed back. No longer as a slave but as a dear brother. (laughs) Praise God for this. When Jesus saves us, we enter a new life. And in this new life, barriers are broken down. (coughs) We We become brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? As we stand here today, as we meet here today, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. All equal in the family of God. Colossians 3.11 it says in this new life it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric uncivilised, slave or free Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us you see that's what unites us, Christ in us, the hope of glory the barrier breaker there is no class structure in the church of Jesus Christ There's no one better than another. And regardless of how people outside look on you, that's not the way God looks on you. And listen to something here. So Philemon is someone with the opportunity to forgive. Notice I say opportunity, because it's not certain yet how he's going to respond. He has the opportunity to forgive. A commentator, Mark Dever, says this about the situation Philemon found himself in. He says, in the ancient world, forgiveness wasn't considered honourable. We might be thinking to ourselves, come on Philemon, get on with forgiving the guy. It's the right thing to do, stop being reluctant. But neither he nor anyone in the world around him would have been raised to think that way. By forgiving Onesimus, he may be regarded as being weak. He may bring shame upon himself or appear to be viewing Onesimus' crime lightly. So just like Onesimus had a lot to face and a lot of fearful situation to face in returning home, so Onesimus, so so Philemon, um, had a situation where he could be looked on as being weak by doing the right thing. As we turn to verses 7-19, to 19, we see the full strength of Paul's appeal to Philemon. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Now the root word here for partner actually means fellowship. And we spoke about that last week quite heavily. That the word for fellowship is appearing. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a common relationship together. And this is what the word used. using. If you consider me a partner, it's fellowship. Paul and Philemon share fellowship. And Paul is now asking Philemon to extend the same hand of fellowship to Onesimus. And Paul's willing to put his money where his mouth is. He says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Paul isn't ignoring the fact that there's a price to be paid for Onesimus' past failures. But he's prepared to stand in the gap for him to help bring about reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. Do you see that there? He says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Do you see here the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ? There was a great price to be paid for our sins. And when Jesus died on the cross to bear our sins, he paid that price in full. Second Corinthians 5 says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, through Christ you see we can't pay this price ourselves Jesus' perfect life and sacrifice paid that price on our behalf but we must respond we've got to respond firstly in faith and also by seeking forgiveness for our sins In Romans 10 and 9 it says If you confess with your mouth mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by, by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. You see it's not complicated. Did you ever think that the message of Christianity was complicated? It's not. You can see it there in Romans ten and nine. It's about faith, a response of faith in Jesus Christ, and a confession of that faith, and in repentance, and asking for forgiveness for the sins you've committed. There we are. Okay. 1 John one nine says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Isn't that a great promise? You know, you can be scary when you come and you confess sins that you don't know if anyone would forgive you for. It seems really, really bad in your mind. And here is a promise from God. If we confess our sins to him, whatever it is, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all wickedness, Colossians two says this: You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all your sins. Praise the Lord! Is anybody happy? Have- <laughs> I'm really, I'm genuinely saying this from my heart. I'm praising God for this message, and I will praise God for the rest of my life that it's all about what He did in making us alive with Christ forgiving all of our sins he cancelled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross this will be our song forever it's already the song. Victory has already been won, people. You know, it's, it's, And I think, honestly, the enemy is trying to get us to just sit back and not live in this truth. But we must live in this truth. It's all about Christ. All for Jesus and all in Jesus. Praise the Lord. And he has forgiven us our sins and we need to stand in that truth, as it also says in Colossians. Don't drift from the truth, believer. If there's something in your life and heart that needs reconciled you can bring it to God and God will forgive you. He has already dealt with that on the cross. And you think the enemy's against you? Well, he's disarmed him too. Jesus is God's son who died for us on the cross taking our sins upon himself taking the punishment that we deserved. Then he rose again Defeating the power of sin and the power of the grave. And he did all this so that we can be reconciled with God. Or in other words, so that we can be brought back into a right relationship with God. Sin is the barrier between God and man. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And only Jesus' perfect life and his sacrifice can pay that price for those sins. Once and for all. Once for all to bring us reconciled into a right relationship with God (laughs) have you ever received Jesus as your saviour not Jesus as an idea Jesus as a concept or something you've heard about a lot in church but have you ever received Jesus as your saviour make sure you think about that it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life And you can make it even today. Looking at verse 20. Someone with the opportunity to forgive. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in, in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. You see, Paul was confident that given the truth contained in this letter Philemon would offer forgiveness to Onesimus this would then refresh Paul's heart you know the heart that was already breaking I've sent Onesimus back I didn't really want to because I love him but I love Jesus and I know he's asking this to get sorted and I'm sending him back so he's looking for a refreshing coming back when we do good it refreshes other believers encourages each other in the Lord That we're at peace with one another. Let me ask a question in closing. Are any of us here holding something against a brother or sister in Christ? If so, can I say with sensitivity, this needs to be dealt with. If we allow unforgiveness to remain in our hearts, instead of being refreshed in our hearts, we'll be quenched the Holy Spirit will be grieved and our walk with the Lord is hindered. I would encourage you today to forgive your brother or sister who has wronged you. One word of caution. It's not always the best idea to confront in every situation, the individual. Please pray about the situation. You should always be praying first and seek counsel if you need to. Every situation is different. There are consequences for wrong actions though. And like in the case of Philemon, there may be a price to pay for that. But the first thing to deal with is the issue of your heart. You can forgive. Even if the other party is not seeking to be reconciled to you. Or if they're not being repentant. You see, we can't control. We don't even know what happened in this situation. We're assuming that Ananias went back and, uh, and uh, Philemon forgave him. In fact, many people believe this to be true. Because otherwise the letter would have been ripped up. Because no way would Philemon want the church or anyone else to see this letter. If he did not, uh, not respond positively. But you can't always control the other person. You can pray for them. But you must forgive in your heart. I could quote multiple other verses. But I'm going to speak about Jesus. Forgiveness comes first you see. Forgiveness is an act of grace. Like the grace of God who sent his son to die for our sin. Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them. Didn't wait until the day... That I said yes to him. And said sorry to him. He forgave first. And I believe in my heart. This is a killer in the church. That if the enemy can get us to harbour unforgiveness and bitterness. Especially towards other believers. We are hindered in our walk with Christ. And I believe for new beginnings. God wants to express something powerful in this community. And in order to do it the light has to be bright. And I would just encourage us, keep short accounts in our relationship with each other. Do good. Forgive from the heart. It doesn't excuse bad behaviour. Bad behaviour has a price to pay, as we've already said. And it can be quite serious at times. And it doesn't always mean the relationship is going to be back to the way it was. That's not all your responsibility. Remember Romans, as far as it is possible for you, live at peace with everyone. You're not accountable for someone else. But let's leave here today encouraged by this message that we can be secure in Christ that if we confess our sins to him and we leave this, if we have unforgiveness today, we leave it at the cross and we say Jesus, you forgave me my sins I'm leaving that brother and that sister's sins at the cross with, with, with mine. We need to leave it there so that we can live the new life in Christ. Let's not let anything hold us back. He welcomed us unconditionally and we must unconditionally forgive do you hear that today? because I think it's big in Scotland that we have problems amongst Christians that are grieving God grieving God and let's just be encouraged today not to grieve the Lord so whatever situation we find ourselves in and probably we'll move between these situations for the rest of our lives will either be someone who's encouraging forgiveness in the fellowship, believers will be someone who's needing forgiveness or we're somebody at the other side with the opportunity to forgive you know we can help others we can be a minister of reconciliation that's what that passage was saying earlier on we're ambassadors just as we've been reconciled with Christ he has given us the job of being ambassadors ministers of reconciliation so it's our job folks if we see problems to come alongside in love and to say please do good brother, please do good sister if we need forgiveness we've got a saviour that's faithful to forgive and as we've seen today the Christian should always be always be willing to forgive always be able to forgive Whatever situation we're in at the moment, let's hand it over to God. We're going to watch a video clip now and let's take time to pray about this and ask God to help us and guide us as we respond. so let's just take some time now to just pray, just for a few moments Jesus is the healer of relationships Jesus is the healer of hearts he is near to the broken hearted he is willing to forgive the sinner let's pray Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you that you have open arms and that we can run to you and that you love us. You always have loved us. You loved us before we ever loved you. You're our Lord and Saviour. As we bring to our minds Relationships which we know in our hearts we haven't really forgiven the person we just pray Lord God for the grace your grace to forgive and thank you Father that as we come to you directly for forgiveness we receive it and that you give us the grace to extend that forgiveness to other people If you feel like you've been like a kind of running away from God instead of running to him, just turn.